0: Chapter Twenty of the Road to Understanding This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Road to Understanding by Eleanor H. Porter. Chapter Twenty The Curtain Rises it was indeed quite easy surprisingly so as the doctor soon found out not without some trepidation however had he taken the train for dalton the next morning and presented his proposition to the master of denby house i think i've found your private secretary he began blithely hoping that his pounding heart throbs did not really sound like a drum you have good what's her name "'Somebody you know?' questioned Burke Denby, with a show of interest. "'Yes, she's a Miss Darling, and I've known her family for years.' The doctor gulped and swallowed a bit convulsively. The doctor was feeling that the very walls of the room must be shouting aloud his secret, but he kept bravely on. She doesn't know shorthand, but she can typewrite, and she's very quick at taking dictation in longhand, I fancy. And she knows several languages, I believe i'm sure you'll find her capable and trustworthy in every way very good sounds well sure smiled burke and here for my needs speed and shorthand are not so necessary i do only personal business at the house what salary does she want so unexpected and disconcerting was this quite natural question that the doctor totally unprepared for it nearly betrayed himself by his confusion uh, 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 oh great scott Why didn't they—I might have known, he floundered. Then sharply he recovered himself. Well, really, he laughed lightly. I'm a crackerjack at applying for a job, and, no mistake, I quite forgot to ask what salary she did expect, but I don't believe that will matter materially. She'll come for what is right, I'm sure, and you'll be willing to pay that. Oh, yes, it doesn't matter. I'll be glad to give her a trial anyway, and if she's all you crack her up to be, I'll pay her more than what's right. When can she come?' where does she live well she's going to live here in dalton evaded the doctor cautiously she's not here yet but she and her mother are coming uh, next week i believe better not count on her beginning work till the first though Uh, perhaps that'll be next week thursday i should think they ought to be uh, settled by that time the doctor drew a long breath much after the fashion of a man who's been crossing a bit of particularly thin ice All right send her along the sooner the better nodded burke the old listless weariness coming back to his eyes i certainly need someone oh well i reckon you'll have someone now carol the doctor so jubilantly that it brought a frown of mild wonder to burke denby's face later the doctor still jubilant and confident hurried down the denby walk intent on finding the modest little apartment for helen oh well i don't know he exulted to himself wagging his head like a cocksure boy this comic opera farce affair may not be so bad after all anyhow i've made my first exit and haven't spilled anything yet now for scene second finding a satisfactory little furnished apartment not too far from the denby home proved to be no small task but by sacrificing a little on the matter of distance The doctor was finally enabled to engage one that he thought would answer. "'Only she'll have to ride back and forth, I'm afraid,' he muttered to himself as he started for the station to take his train. "'Anyhow, I'm glad I didn't take that one on Dale Street. She'd meet too many ghosts of old memories on Dale Street.'" Buying his paper at the newsstand in the station, the doctor himself encountered the ghost of a memory, but he could not place it until the woman behind the counter cried there i thought i'd seen you before you come two years ago to the denby funeral now didn't ye i tell ye it takes me to remember faces then as he still frowned perplexedly she explained don't ye remember my name's cobb i used to live but the doctor had turned away impatiently he remembered now this was the woman who didn't think much of old denby herself on monday helen denby and her daughter went to dalton at helen's urgent insistence the doctor refrained from accompanying them i don't want you to be seen with us helen had protested but why not he had argued rebelliously i thought i was a friend of your family for years i know but i-i just feel that i'd rather not have you with us i prefer to go alone please she had begged and perforce he had let her have her own way It was on a beautiful day in late September that Helen Denby and her daughter arrived at the Dalton station. Helen, fearful either that her features would be recognized, or that she would betray by word or look her knowledge of the place, and so bring an amazed question to Betty's lips, had drawn a heavy veil over her face. Betty, cheerily interested in everything she saw, kept up a running fire of comment. And so this is Dalton. What a funny little station, and for so big a place, too. It seemed to be big as we came into it. Is Dalton a large town, Mother? Well, rather large it used to be. That is, it must be a good deal over fifteen thousand now, I suppose, murmured the mother, speaking very unconcernedly. Then you've been here before. Helen, realizing that already she's made one mistake, suddenly became convinced That safety, and certainly tranquillity of mind, lay in telling the truth, to a certain extent. Oh, yes, I was here years ago, but the place is much changed, I fancy, she answered lightly. Come dear, we'll take a taxi, but first I want a paper, I want to look at the advertisements for a maid, and she had almost reached the newsstand when, to Betty's surprise, she turned sharply about and walked the other way. Why, mother! I thought you said you wanted a paper cried betty hurrying after her and plucking at her arm but i didn't i don't i've changed my mind i won't get it after all just now i'd rather hurry right home she spoke rapidly almost feverishly and betty noticed that she engaged the first cabby she saw and seemed impatiently anxious to be off what she did not see however was that twice her mother covertly glanced back at the newsstand And that her face behind the veil was gray white and terrified and what betty did not know was that as the taxi started her mother whispered frenziedly to herself that was that was mrs cobb she's older and grayer but she's got mrs cobb's eyes and nose and the wart i'd know that wart anywhere and to think how near i came to speaking to her it was a short drive and helen and her daughter was soon in the apartment The doctor had found for them. To Helen it looked like a haven of refuge indeed. Her near encounter with Mrs. Cobb at the station had somewhat unnerved her. But with four friendly walls to protect her, and with no eyes but her daughter's in sight, Helen drew a long breath of relief and threw off her veil, hat, and coat. Oh, isn't this dear! she exclaimed sinking into a chair and looking admiringly about the pretty rooms and just think this is our home our home oh dearie we're going to be happy here i'm sure of course we are and it's lovely here the words were all right but voice and eyes showed a trace of uneasiness why dearie don't you like it asked the girl's mother anxiously oh yes yes i like it all here It's only that I was thinking all of a sudden about that Mr. Denby. I was wondering if I should like it there with him. I think you will, dear. But it's also new and different from what I've been used to, don't you see? Of course, my dear, but that's the way we grow. By encountering things new and different, you see. But come, we've got lots of things new and different right here that we haven't even seen yet. I'm going hunting for a wardrobe, finished the mother lightly, springing to her feet and picking up her hat and coat. It was a pretty little apartment of five rooms up one flight, convenient and tastefully furnished. I don't think even Burke could find fault with this, thought Helen, a bit wistfully, as her eyes lingered on the soft colors and harmonious blendings of rugs and hangings. Aloud she said, Dear me, I feel just like a little girl with a new dollhouse, don't you? yes and when our trunks come and we get our photographs and things out it will be lovely won't it helen at one of the windows gave a sudden exclamation why betty from this window we can see see what cried betty hurrying to the window as her mother's words came to an abrupt halt "Uh, the city dear so much of it and all those beautiful houses over there stammered helen see that church with the big dome and the tall spire next it and all those trees that must be a park She hurried on, pointing out anything and everything but the one big old colonial house with its tall pillars that stood out so beautifully fine and clear against the green of a wide lawn on the opposite hill. Oh, what a lovely view, exclaimed Betty at her side. Why, I hadn't noticed it at all before, but we're on a hill ourselves, aren't we? Yes, dear, West Hill, that's what I think they used to call it. Helen was not at the window now. She had turned back into the room with an almost indifferent air. But afterwards, when Betty was busy elsewhere, she went again to the window and stood for long minutes motionless, her eyes on the big old house on the opposite hill. It was ablaze now, for the last rays of the sun had set every window gorgeously aflame, and not until it stood again gray and cold in the gathering dusk did Helen turn back into the room, and then it was with tear-wet eyes and a long sigh. Getting settled was much the same thing that getting settled is always apt to be. There were first the same scrappy, unsatisfying meals, the same slow-emerging order from seemingly hopeless confusion, the same shifting of one's belongings from shelf to drawer and back again. In this case, however, there were only the trunks and their contents to be disposed of and the getting settled was after all a short matter much to betty's disapproval her mother early announced her intention of doing without a maid oh but mother dear you shouldn't besides i thought you said we were going to have one i thought at first i would but i've changed my mind there will be just us two and i'd rather have a stout woman come twice a week for the laundry and cleaning with you gone all day I shall need something to take up my mind, Betty said more, much more, but to no purpose. Her mother was still obdurate. It was then that into Betty's mind came a shrewd suspicion, but she did not give it voice. When evening came, however, she did ask some questions. It was the night before she was to go for the first time to take up her work. Mother, how did we happen to come up here, to Dalton? Happen to come up here? Helen was taken by surprise. She was fencing for time. Yes, what made us come here? Why, I I wanted to be near, to make a home for you, of course, while you were at work. But why am I going to work? Helen stirred restlessly. Why, my dear, I've told you, I think every girl should have something whereby she could earn her bread, if it were necessary. And when this chance came, through Dr. Gleason. I thought it was just the thing for you to do." Indifferently Betty asked two or three other questions, immaterial, irrelevant questions, that led her quite away from the matter in hand, and then, as if still casually, she uttered the one question that had been the purpose of the whole talk. "'Mother, have we very much money?' "'Why, no, dear, not so very much, but I wouldn't worry about the money.' the answer had come promptly and with a reassuring smile but betty tossed both the promptness and the reassuring smile into the limbo of disdain betty had her answer she was convinced now her mother was poor very poor and that was why there was to be no maid that was why she herself was to go as secretary to this mr denby the next day mother poor dear mother was poor as if now she cared whether she liked the place or not, as if she would not be glad to work her fingers off for mother. End of chapter 20